Wait, was it the one where Beyonce was on? Yes. Oh, okay. I think yeah. I was there, actually. Yes. Whiskey, whiskey. Welcome to episode 78 of The Whiskey Topic. I'm Mark Bylock. And I'm Jamie Johnson. And today we have a special guest, a returning guest. Yay! Yay! The, uh, we have the American Whiskey Ambassador of the Year for 2017 award winner, Matt Jones. Matt hey guys, how are you? Hey Maddie, congratulations on winning the award. Well, thank you, thank you. It was, uh, came out of uh, unexpected, I should say. I didn't uh, really know that this was going to come around again this year, but I should uh, just amend the fact that it's uh, a title that uh, falls under rest of the world as opposed to the icons of whiskey for America in the UK, but still pretty, pretty cool honor. I'm pretty uh, humbled to be a part of the icons of whiskey. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Congrats. Uh, icon, icon of whiskey. That's <laughs> wow. very appropriate. It's a small word, but it's a heavy word. It's a heavy it does word. carry a lot of weight, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. So, what's changed uh, since winning the award? And you also, you were also on the cover of uh, Whiskey Magazine in Canada as well. <laughs> right. So, uh, when we were when you were down here for Whiskey Live, you were signing. You were just boom signing magazine covers the whole time. That was surreal. That was a uh, very. Um, almost weird uh, experience to walk in and have all the magazines around uh, and people approaching seeing people walk around with that was pretty pretty amazing um to be even considered for it um you know to, to get some recognition recognition for working within the industry in canada for the last seven years especially on the uh um the production side and the distributor side with with beam and and the education and marketing um but the the end of the day i mean the the whole magazine itself being the Canadian issue had so much great content put forward by mm-hmm. Blair Phillips and Davina Kurgamo talking about the, the state of Canadian whiskey uh, in the world and being on the world stage and, and really breaking down a lot of the misconceptions of what it is to be our blended whiskey. Uh, everything from the nickname rye and what that actually entails to uh, traditionally how we've uh, put our whiskeys together with different components and debunking a lot of the myths like, oh, I love that one, prune juice. <laughs> as a key ingredient cane whiskey eh, not <laughs> not true that, not is, true that is not true right because we, we haven't actually mentioned but you you right you're uh, the brand ambassador for chim beam for canada uh but that also includes uh canadian club 100 uh, raw well canadian club as well well my title is kind of broad in terms of i'm whiskey ambassador for bean but i did start with our american whiskey portfolio uh in 2010 specifically maker's mark i worked directly for the maker's mark distillery for almost two years and then i was shifted to um our whole bean portfolio which is amazing we've got some uh wonderful heritage history and quality in those uh, those whiskeys but they've also leaned on me for drink ideation and development and promotion of our canadian club brands as well as alberta premium and to a extend our Irish portfolio but I'm always available to talk about all the whiskeys at Bean for sure but I am specialized to to bourbon and uh, moving forward I'm the Jim Beam spokesperson Jim Beam brand ambassador coast to coast in Canada and my primary focus is on the Jim Beam family brands I mean by extension of course that includes the small batch Knob Creek Basil Hayden Bakers and Bookers but uh, they are not as available across the country so I am uh, definitely more focused on the mixability the education and the premiumness of our expanding Jim Beam family of brands. So how was the morning uh, when Knob Creek, it was became known that Knob Creek <laughs> became uh, a noise statement whiskey. Was that a fun morning for you? <laughs> well, um, in fact, the very first text at like seven o'clock in the morning was from you. <laughs> oh. So I knew this was coming. It's just uh, didn't know when it would be announced. And of course, Chuck Howdry was the, the first to uh, really w- were, were, 
the trade and sort of not just the trade, but um, the community really latched onto his article and talking about what this actually means. And he quantified it quite well in terms of, you know, the fact that bourbon was never about an age statement and that uh, nailing a flavor profile is much more important than an age statement, especially with uh, with bourbon. Um, and then I remember you, you had texted me and said, oh, boy, what kind of headache you can have for this today? And there was quite a people uh, reaching out and, and asking questions. The, the um, It's interesting because from uh, the standpoint of, of taste and flavor, uh, like, especially with age statements, you know, it, it seems like reading at the history and kind of product development, um, Bourbon put age statements on the bottle to compete with scotch. They were like, oh crap, you know, we were, we're, we, scotch became, started growing and, and they were like, okay, let's put these age statements on the bottle. Let's put eight, eight years or 12 years on the bottle and as a way of competing with, with the uh, scotch. Which is hilarious because it doesn't even, like, some people are like, oh, I, I don't drink bourbon because it's, it's, it's so young. And it's like, well, the education piece was, is sort of like missing around that, maybe. I don't know, with in, in terms of single malt drinkers. It was. Because, yeah. yeah. So, you know, when you're like, well, yeah, okay. So, you know, you have a, a, a whiskey that's five and a half to eight years old or nine. Um, single malt drinkers are going to be like, oh, no, I would never drink anything. I heard someone the other day when I was in St. John's say, like, I don't drink anything less than... Uh, 18 years old yep. and I was like oh my gosh that's pretty limiting the, I always make the joke that you know you don't show up to your father-in-law's with anything younger than an 18 year old single malt because it's a status thing it is a uh, <laughs> right. there's such an inference uh, with the so, age yeah so it's a really interesting thing where it's like you know the uh, there's an automatic like sort of shutdown of like well bourbon is, is obviously it's much younger and it's not as good uh, because it's it's you know the age statements are so but it's it doesn't work like that. And I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's something that we talk about all the time. It's like, you know, Kentucky is a little slightly different uh, weather pattern than Scotland. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and brand new oak barrels. And it just contributes to the stereotypes of bourbon. That's uh, one of many factors, you know, looked at as a, a redneck single malt in the past, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it would have been hard to hold court with uh, premium bourbons in the same realm or even at the same show, let alone the same, you know, consumer event like a whiskey dinner as single malt scotch. We got laughed out of the room, but um, it, you're absolutely right. It's about education. Bourbon, the sweet spot is directly related to the climate, and it's a factor of one to four. One year in Kentucky is approximately four years in Scotland. <laughs> now, does yeah. it mean that uh, you want to age bourbon in Scotland or a single malt in Kentucky? No, completely different terroir, if you will, of, uh, of how the whiskey would mature and the flavor profiles that are developed over time in the barrel. So, uh, just completely different products but it's just all under the same family of whiskey yeah and i mean you look at some older bourbons uh being released i a friend minnick mentioned this a couple of episodes ago uh some of these old bourbons are just be- becoming over oak they're oily they're oaky and it's a flavor profile the consumer wants so there's not a criticism here for selling a bourbon that's very highly oaked but it's just more the point of you know there, there's also kind of over oaked uh bourbon being sold that's has a big age statement on the bottle but isn't necessarily you know a isn't necessarily a good bourbon, but maybe has a flavor profile that uh, consumers want, uh, which is fair. I, I think it's just, you know, I, I find a lot of the older ones a little too oily. And I think that's where kind of like the Pappy Van Winkles did so well by selling right. the 15, 20, 23-year-olds um, that were really delicious whiskeys um, and they were very old. It's, it's very hard to find that that old but delicious combination. For sure. That's you want to chew on a branch. 
that's pretty yeah. much what it's like. I mean, it yeah. smells amazing. It smells yeah. like yes. an over, or not an overaged, but like a finely aged rum, or even some cognacs like on the nose. But the 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 palate is is, is way different. And yeah. again, yeah, we can't fault these companies for you know supplying a product for a market that's demanding it for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, that's that's clearly what it is. It's it's not the, the traditional flavor profile uh, for a bourbon that's that's balanced with grain to wood because the, exactly what you said, the wood notes get so high over that twelve to fifteen year mark. That's a AH Hirsch Reserve, like that mythical yes. bourbon right. that I've never tried and I might not ever have the chance to. It's, it was the sixteen is the one that's yeah. I've seen touted yes. the most, and that seems to be an anomaly. Um, it really is from all of the perspective of the writers and the, and the historians that that one that was, I guess, released in the 70s, I believe, mm-hmm. was uh, probably the best bourbon in the world that we'll, we'll never have a chance to taste. But uh, it's one of the reasons why, why Beam hasn't uh, really ventured north of that 12-year uh, mark um, because of that balance and that flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I should caveat that by saying never say never. Never. (laughs) (laughs) But this far, it has not happened. Yes. Uh, and speaking of Jim Beam and what's going on, uh, what is going on? What's, what's coming out from Jim Beam? Oh, very excited. The, the whole Jim Beam line has uh, expanded in the U.S. Uh, with uh, obviously more limited offerings coming to Canada. But one big innovation that uh, came out this year, it was just released, I guess it was the week before Bourbon Fest and we were down there last uh, at the distillery, is the Jim Beam Double Oaked. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, our, basically our barrels of the extra aged, formerly the, the six-year but uh, whiskey that's uh, aged with a range of five to year, eight-year-old liquid, which is then re-barreled into brand new cooperage, brand new once-used charred oak uh, barrels for a time. Now, it's going to be at least a year. I haven't been able to get too much confirmation of uh, a minimum or a maximum, but again, it's to a, a flavor profile, to a taste profile. And this is just punching up the, um, you know, the, the, the brand new vanillins that are created in that barrel. Um, the caramels, the deep, rich toffee that's in there, plus some of that wonderful oak, some some drier oak notes, and then a little bit of that smoke of the char as well. So this is a, a finished whiskey. It's a, a secondary maturation. And a lot of folks ask, well, wait a second, we're talking bourbon. That's not right. It has to be aged in a once-used barrel. And that's true. The barrel that it goes into can only be used once. <laughs> There's nothing that states it cannot go into another barrel for a finishing or that it cannot go into another brand new barrel. It's just the law says that that barrel cannot be used a second time for bourbon specifically. And, of course, this dates back to the, the mid-1930s when the Coopers and the, the forestry industry got together to put this law into effect to say that Cooperage can only be used one time, of course, to ensuring their the prosperity of their trade but of course it became the standard in terms of a flavor profile for bourbon one of the reasons why it's a little bit more intense than scotch irish and canadian cousins so we're very uh, excited about that innovation I, I i've had the pleasure of trying it a few times in the u.s i can confirm it is coming to select markets across canada bc ontario a little bit to the atlantics and then of course our jim beam bonded and the bonded category of yeah. course has been getting a little bit uh, more crowded in the last uh, couple of years and for listeners that uh, that don't know, the Ball and Bond Act of 1897 was the first time that uh, the American government stepped in and, and, and had to put uh, some protective legislation in there because there were people that were getting um, ill from 
bad whiskey. And it's not to say that all the whiskey that was being produced was being bad. It was just that by the time it left the distilleries and ended up in front of the consumer, in front of the patron at the saloon, we'll say that it had been cut with everything from turpentine to tobacco spit to prune juice now the prune juice yeah it'll keep you regular <laughs> turpentine is a little bit more intense but tobacco spit is the one that, that, that really gets people but it's the fact that the saliva would break down the tobacco and release the enzymes in your saliva would release different flavors <laughs> and that's why they would use that chewed tobacco but uh, understandably people are getting sick. yes <laughs> so imagine you know the, the the barkeep the saloon keeper collecting all the spittoons at the end of the night <laughs> bundling it into a barrel of whiskey swishing it around and saying I can charge five more cents for that tomorrow. Like, that's exactly what was happening. Oh, my God. So as you I've know, the, never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how the tobacco spit got in there. And, I, you know, I heard that. I thought can, it was a joke. <laughs> no. I mean, when you read uh, Fred Minnick's book and even uh, read Mittendealer uh, references as well. But when folks talk about the history of the Baldwin Bond Act that was actually architected by Edmund H. Taylor, um, this is what was happening. And... Uh, so the, the the bonding period, of course, would have been four years for the government to get their, their tax. And if you paid your tax and you met those four years, the government would put that bonded tax stamp, ergo certifying that the whiskey was also produced at one distillery under the supervision of one distiller in one season, that it was a minimum 100 proof, an honest 100 proof, 50% alcohol. That was the standard, of course, before prohibition. And that there was no additives, that it was, in fact, a straight whiskey. So those are kind of the basics of what it is to be bonded in. A bonded whiskey is uh, just, you know, at, at 100 proof alone, let's just start there with the proof, uh, makes a lot more full body, but it also gives more diversity on, on, on how to consume it. If you add a few drops of water, you're going to have a different experience. If you mix it in a cocktail, it gives a wonderful backbone to a cocktail. Um, you know, old granddad bonded has been a staple in America mm -hmm. for, um, you know, 125 years since 1883 when the, the brand was incepted. And after the Ball and Bond Act, it's been bonded ever since. Um, one of the few that was given medicinal license to to keep producing during Prohibition. But it's um, it's brought some, some focus back to it. And actually, a friend of mine, a mentor in the industry, Bernie Lovers, who is also an Amer uh, icon of American whiskey, he's one that's... Uh, for the world a few times, he really started talking about uh, staying bonded and getting back to bonded whiskey over the last decade. And it's, I think Rittenhouse was one of the first American straight ryes to have uh, an official bonded ride to kind of bring back the nostalgia of bonded. And it became a choice amongst um, the trade, especially with bartenders, is a great backbone to a cocktail. So the fact that we're now venturing into that with the Jim Beam juice, the Jim Beam liquid, the Jim Beam brand, uh, is no surprise. In fact, I, I thought it might have happened a little bit earlier, but I think the fact that uh, it's here now, and we've got this great label for it, it's a fantastic liquid. Uh, it's very exciting that that's uh, going to be coming to Canada. And then we've got our single barrel as well, Jim Beam single barrel. Um, mm. Booker No was not a, a, a big fan of single barrel bourbon. He felt it was too inconsistent and he wasn't wrong. Uh, you know, he really felt consumers wanted consistency. So he really maintained the fact that we should still be marrying, even if for the small batch collection, if it was hundreds of barrels instead of thousands of barrels. But single barrel has become quite popular. So, of course, uh, there's been demand for it. But I've, I've had the pleasure of trying it. We just had it at the, uh, the Newfoundland show. Last weekend, I've tried a few other times, and it's uh, it's a beautiful liquid. It's about forty-seven percent alcohol, and it's uh, it's got those nuances of every batch being a little bit different because every barrel has its own characteristics. Oh, so those so are three new innovations that uh, will be coming to Canada and and different times over the next year. 
but are are all available in America, of course, and around I'm, the world. I'm so bummed I missed the uh, single barrel in Newfoundland. I know we were, we were across the room from each other, and it was we uh, were. it was quite uh, quite a busy evening. Uh, a, such a great show, though. Like I yeah. really enjoyed. How did enjoyed. the debate go? How did, did you? Did you, uh, Jamie? Did you? It take wasn't. It wasn't a debate. Oh, so it was yes. less debatey than I'd wanted. Oh. I really wanted a full like like smackdown. I really you're, did. You were on a panel, and la- last week we said, "All right, Jamie, you're going to go in there and say bourbon sucks, Scotch is the best." Right, exactly. And, and that's, no, that that's not that, that was. And that would have been easier because you had a four hundred dollar whiskey. A I bottle. had <laughs> the four hundred dollar bottle of whiskey. You know, it was. It, I mean, it's. I love the the Glenfiddich twenty one. I love like the rum barrel finish. It's it's right up my alley. But it is. Uh, it's such a good dram. But it was. Uh, you know. But you know, I'm I'm not going to lie. Like sitting on a panel with like all those people you saw in the picture I was like Jesus Christ <laughs> what the hell am I doing here you guys aka designating was... Chuck Norris <laughs> <laughs> Dave Mitten <laughs> It was so. It was great. That was. It was super fun. The show itself was awesome. Uh, it was a great group. Um, you know, the Newfoundlanders are so so much fun. Like so much fun. I remember. So it was really foggy. It was really foggy, and and a couple of uh, the teammates from the the team that I was there with uh, couldn't make it because the the fog was too thick. Uh, so their their flights were canceled, and then I had someone who was trying to get out the next morning, and his flight was canceled. And so I was like, oh man, I'm not going to be able to like make it out. Uh, so I was like, so I got in the cab in the morning, and I went to the airport, and I I said to the guy, I was like. And I was like, it's really foggy. Like, do you think my flight's gonna? Do you think my flight's gonna get out? I was all worried, and he's like, yes, bye. I was like, okay. <laughs> and literally, that's all he had to say to like make me feel better. I was wow. like, okay, he wouldn't lie to me. This cab driver knows what's up, and he's just like, yes, bye. You he can just out. taste the the atmosphere, he, yeah. taste the moisture in the air, and like, oh, yeah. no, yeah, you'll be good. you're fine, you're fine. Yeah, yes, bye. I was like, oh my god, I love you so much. I love Newfoundland so much. Uh, but I will tell you that uh, I got—I was having robe time, which is my favorite time. Uh, and I was like, fully the first night, fully like in bed, eating chocolate, watching TV. And I get this like text, being like, "Where are you?" I was like, "Hi, Matt." And I sent him a picture of like me in my robe, being like, "I'm I'm I'm in for the night." And he's like fail get dressed <laughs> <laughs> so some background context we, we had chatted about uh, meeting up and we said oh you know i'm coming in that night to do a dinner we definitely have to hang out after but you did have a very early media engagement I did. so i completely respected your, your your choice but as i'm sitting there reading your text i'm like yeah. nope no. <laughs> this no. happens once yeah. a year yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many uh industry yep. personalities out right now yep. we, we we've got to have some fun here so yeah yep. and kudos to you <laughs> i got dressed <laughs> you i got dressed. came down <laughs> i came down i got dressed i came down i was like i can't even but there's like and i said i was like matt there's nobody else i would have done that for like i've never gotten dressed for mark mylock before like i literally he's like are you jamie 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 and i'll be like no i'm i'm not answering that text <laughs> I feel like this isn't even actually true. I feel like Jamie is the easiest person to get out. I know, right? It's like, who's my rubber? <laughs> you just got to twist a little bit. Just a little just bit. A little just bit. Like, a little just bit. a little bit. And then it's well, like, you okay, did have I'll come to, for one. <laughs> you did have to represent your brands uh, in did. the morning. So I did. Uh, <laughs> Very early. I was at the old CBC in the morning at like 7.30. So it was, uh, so it's good. I, I behaved myself, but I got to hang out with my friends. And so, no, it was fine. Yeah, twist my rubber arm. 
<laughs> well, we were out with Tish Harkis um, from Canadian Club, and then, of course, Marcio Ramos from. He was representing the Hibiki that night, but he does uh, Bowmore, Lafroig, Akintoshin as well. So we had uh, quite the uh, the group of personalities, plus the the sales teams that, uh, of course, are native to to the Rock to St. John's, and uh, it was a great time. Well, we should say hi to Chris. We should, Mr. Chris Dowdens. So it was. Yes, yes, bye. Yes, bye. Uh, what do you yeah, yeah. What do you at? Yeah. <laughs> so Chris is a fan of the show. Oh, awesome. And, uh, yeah, and he listens all the time. He's uh, he's Maddie's good bud, and they work on the same team. And, and Matt was like, you got to come out. You got to meet Chris. He he listens all the time. He's, he's really excited. And then uh, Chris, I guess, uh, got your phone away from you. And he's like, you have to come out. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm already getting dressed. <laughs> this is day. actually, Mark, just so you don't feel so bad, this is actually a bigger part of the reason she came out for sure because I texted her and said, you got a fanboy here. He's totally uh, excited to meet you. You have to come, please. Oh, that's <laughs> and like awesome. Attention. And I like attention. So yeah. <laughs> It worked out. It worked no, out Chris really is amazing. Well. He's, uh, he used to be the, um, the whiskey product advisor from the NLCB before he moved okay. to the Marisolet side, who is our distributor in Atlantic Canada, and very, very passionate about uh, single malt, but all whiskey. He's a big fan of bourbon, and he's been listening to you guys uh, on my recommendations since uh, the summer, since July. Oh, that's amazing. Well, thanks so for listening, he's, uh, he's actually lapped me. I'm... Well, I don't think you'll fault me for this with my travel schedule, but I am a few episodes behind <laughs> where he's up today. He's like, did you hear the new whiskey topic? <laughs> and, you know, he listens to uh, to Gillespie's as well. So he's he's pretty tuned into the industry. So. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, oh, so keeping God. with uh, stories from Newfoundland, <laughs> yeah. last year you guys probably saw my Instagram how I was um, – nearly uh, assaulted in the funnest way possible a young lady decides she had to braid my beard and right. i was cornered and the beard was braided as uh well actually dave mint was there and mark <laughs> reynolds from our sales team looked on and documented the whole process so i think i could rock that look not gonna lie maybe something i should consider when wearing a microphone <laughs> oh my god also matt sent me a super inappropriate text message oh, last week. oh you oh, had boy. to go there <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> it is it is pretty funny. <laughs> it was so funny because I because because I found out I was going to Newfoundland so last minute, uh, like the day before I was leaving, I texted Matt. I was like, Matt, Matt, guys, he's coming to Newfoundland, and he's like, Yay, that's gonna be so much fun. It's gonna it's gonna be great because I me and Matt have been working a lot together lately. But when you work with somebody, it doesn't necessarily mean you get to hang out with them at all. Like it's it's just like go go go. So uh, he's like, Oh, it'll be so nice just to get to make out. <laughs> <laughs> and, I was like, and, and make out <laughs> and I was like I, I just like and then I saw that he was typing something else I was like this will be interesting and then he's like wow <laughs> he's like, it actually said exactly because I had to pull it up while you were saying it uh, miss just making out yeah <laughs> <laughs> of course your husband was sitting beside you at the time yeah and i was like this is amazing autocorrect you're just like oh, you're just awesome. killing it today it was so, so then he called right away and was like he couldn't even speak he was laughing so like, i could i could hear the tears like oh. like streaming down his face and we couldn't even just sat on the phone and like laughed because it was yeah. such a good autocorrect. Yeah, it was so it was perfect. I uh, miss just catching up. No, yeah, no, yeah. I miss oh. just making out. Making out. My goodness, <laughs> he did miss me. <laughs> well, luckily Trent got a kick out of it as well. He did. He did. He thought it was great. 
We thought it was great. Uh, yeah, no, it was super fun. And then uh, off to New Brunswick. And yeah, yeah, you guys are off to New Brunswick for this week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. It's busy. Uh, so, Jamie, you, you should attend an iron board, uh, ironing uh, board meeting uh, yeah. in New Brunswick. That is I, I see. I hear. I see. You missed the one in Newfoundland. I missed the one in Newfoundland. I bailed. She did. Um, uh, in her defense, they did not actually commence until closer to three a.m. But this this is typical. Uh, it was at the host hotel and right. Uh, take us, take together. us back. Yeah. Th- yeah. Exactly. Tell us. Tell us what the ironing <laughs> board meeting is. The history of the ironing board meeting. Well, <laughs> I've been. Uh, bartender for close to 20 years now, um, about 18. And I used to do a lot of bartending competitions, especially in the performance bartending or the flair world. So we would go to the host hotel, whether it was in Vegas or Florida or New York or wherever, and we would uh, be a mad dash to order all of the ironing boards because being the ironing boards are adjustable at different heights, you could recreate a back bar setting by putting the ironing boards at different heights, and then you use the drawers. This is before uh, my cousin Dean Sunil's actually invented the portable bar, which we all started using after that, the Flerical Portable Bar. But we would use the dresser, dresser drawers and these ironing boards to recreate our speed rounds and even some of our flare rounds. So this is how we would practice. And then, of course, as the night would degrade, we would end up just drinking the cocktails and all be hanging around an ironing board. So the very first one we did with the ambassadors in Canada was in Fredericton um, at the Delta. This was at least uh, five years ago now, maybe six. And it was actually Mark Levadier, Tish Harkis, uh, a few other. Mark Levadier, of course, formerly of uh, Highland Park and the McAllen. Well, he actually still speaks to those products. But those of, in the industry that know those brands will know and love uh, Mark Levadier, of course. And uh, we decided to host a little get-together, kind of a, uh, a pre-show and then an after-show. Um, in the room. So all the ambassadors, everyone would bring uh, a bottle to uh, to share uh, a heel of something or, or something exclusive that they wanted us to try. And we'd set up the ironing board and we'd just sit around and sometimes I'd make cocktails. And this just has turned into something that we do at almost every trade show. Uh, in fact, we've got people, you know, some of our social media followers that uh, uh, are always texting and, and messaging and saying, hey, are you guys doing ironing board? Ironing board party, we'd love to come by. So it was just mushroomed into this uh, really fun thing where we, uh, it's now more of an after hours thing, <laughs> post trade show. <laughs> but uh, we get to finish uh, and, and share, talk about the show and, and share whiskey and, and share the passion. And that's really what it's all about. So the ironing board meeting. Hashtag ironing board meeting yes. on Instagram. There's I'm a lovely excited. picture of me at 3 a.m. in the morning that it's, Matt took and posted. It's the apparently. greatest. So I have never seen you look so inebriated in my entire life. Like you are oh. like eyes that like full half mask. Like oh, I was just boy. like, oh my God, Mark's having a great time. Oh. <laughs> you know, we, we were at the host hotel. Everything was fine. There yeah, was, we, were, we were at the hotel. We were sleeping at that night. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make sure we put that in there. <laughs> yeah. So funny so good yes looking forward to my first one in a couple days especially in at at the delton fredericton where it all began yes amazing amazing excellent excellent we're we're sorry you're not going to be there this year mark but we we had some really fun times last year didn't we (laughs) i'm staring at the photos right now i'm like oh 
Please don't <laughs> reference them, them all. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, oh my so god. good, so good. Um, yeah, ambassador life is pretty interesting because this is basically what you end up doing every day. Like you're you're up till three a.m. and then you're waking up the next morning at eight a.m. answering emails, as we've witnessed when we were on tour with you through uh, through Kentucky. That's right. That was to, I, to I, an extent. I, yeah. So so tell us then. This is a good question for you. What's what's the because. I've never seen you really like in public, like less than a hundred and ten percent. Like you, like different story. Like you know, during teardown or like at the very end of the night, and everybody's you know whatever, uh, and everyone's just sort of like you know a little deflated and ready to go. And uh, although actually, of all the people that I've ever met doing a teardown, you're still the most energetic and nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is so, whiskey involved, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, so, what's that like? What's that like for you, like in terms of like work life balance and just like making sure that you try to take care of yourself? Um, how, how do you do that, or do you? Well, my doctor would say balance. What, yeah. What's that? <laughs> um, no, it, it's definitely important uh, in, in the lifestyle. I mean, any. Um, any career that you're traveling and you're, you're, you're traveling so much and you're uh, flying to so many different cities and, you know, trying to make health-wise options for eating in restaurants all the time, it's very difficult. And I, uh, I cannot say I would be the best candidate to say that I've, I've found that balance. I, I do I had tend to on the side of bon vivant, <laughs> good life, and I like to uh, eat all the food that chefs put in front of me. So it's a, it's a work in progress, we'll say. But as <laughs> for fair. the imbibing, it's uh, it's definitely more about a marathon as opposed to a sprint. And of course, we learn this in our youth about uh, you know consumer alcohol and how and with water and the right times. And you know we don't always have to have even as an ambassador, you're almost expected to have a glass of of your finest. In my case, Kentucky's finest in your hands at all times but it's uh there's is an element about leading by example so um and you know ha- knowing your limits for being able to get up and get those emails off in the morning and participate in conference calls and um you know still check the boxes for the responsibilities that are over and above of course uh, just interacting with uh with the trade and consumers but there's you know that part is networking technically but it's it's such an integral part of of the industry of, uh, of of hanging out with people and and talking and chatting and learning about um, how they love to consume the whiskeys and where where their background into whiskey came from and and whiskey being such a nostalgic um, you know liquid to imbibe and to to reminisce and there's just so much that that goes with it so it's uh, I'm in my seventh year um, and in the past I've heard of. You know the life span, the expectancy of of a brand ambassador is a couple of years, and a, a lot do burn themselves out, um, especially bartenders that are getting into because it seems to be the ultimate goal for a bartender. Now, what's next? You, you you've worked at a very high profile place. Do you do you open your own place, or do you move to the other side of the industry, actually representing a brand or a family of brands? And the party on the outside does look very enticing <laughs> but at the end of the day it's uh, you do have to find that balance and longevity is a factor i have uh, i have two children that i fly home to every weekend um i'm either if there's a trade show over the week or over the weekend then i i still get my my loo days with my kids that's very very important to me i've got a seven and a half year old and a two and a half year old two beautiful little boys so that is my drive right there i think uh 
<laughs> it could be said that uh, I might be parting a little bit harder if it wasn't for those two little beauties that I have to come home to. So wow. that's always a factor as well, especially when I'm on my way back from uh, from a week in market or, you know, sometimes it happens a couple weeks in market. It's uh, I'm coming home to my kids. So that's that's very important to me as well. But it's uh, it's all about the long term. So that's some advice to anyone that wants to get into <laughs> into the biz, especially in this role, is uh, to be very conscious and aware of, uh, of of how easily that you can you can, you can fall into certain patterns. So it's very good to be aware of that. And you know, we've talked in the podcast before about uh, sober months and mm-hmm. the uh, the positive or negative or or in effect that it has <laughs> on some people. And I still love doing it. I think it's just uh, yeah. it's become a personal. Um, thing that I do in terms of, you know, I don't talk about it all that much, but it's, uh, you know, I joke that it, I just do it to prove to myself that I can. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it, it's good to just uh, unplug. And I still speak to the whiskeys, but I actually have a fully dry month. It usually migrates from year to year, which month it is. I'm a fan of February because mm-hmm. less yeah. days in the month. <laughs> but uh, Christmas is a great time for me because I have more time off with my kids. So I choose to do that as like a sober December. Right. Um, thing as well, so I think it's uh, it's a good thing to be aware of. I remember Glenn for Jameson talking about October in right. his university days <laughs> and right. how how good it was. But uh, at the end of the day, it didn't really feel all that different after a month of uh, not imbibing. But in 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 this role where you've 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 got the the whiskeys in front of you pretty much seven days a week if you so choose, um, I think it's important to definitely find that balance. Nice. Yeah, um, and I, 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 guys, we forgot to talk about what we're uh, drinking. So oh. I, I think we should, uh, uh, or if we're drinking, oh. I guess. <laughs> oh, it's not December yet. Okay, good. Okay, good. It's not just me. I saw Mark take a couple sips. Uh, so, yeah. Um, but what, what are you drinking, Maddie? I got the old granddad bonded. Nice. Oh. And I'm going to be teasing folks uh, in my neck of the woods because this is not a product that is available in Eastern Canada at the moment. But, um, yeah, I do get spoiled sometimes with getting access to, to our whiskeys in the U.S. when I'm down there. But, uh, yeah, the old granddad bonded, uh, a nice full-bodied, um, quote-unquote, cowboy bourbon, a nice high rye content. It's... Uh, it's average four years old, but this is that bonded we were talking about, 50% alcohol, four-year-old liquid, and a very historic brand. And this is my favorite version. I do love the 114. Um, that uh, beautiful, beautiful 114 that is not available in Canada. I know. But uh, this is my 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 um, go-to old granddad, and actually one of my tattoos, my bonded tattoo, of course, was inspired by uh, by this whiskey. What, what about you, Mark? I am drinking. Uh, I'm, I'm running low on Jim Beam products, oddly enough. Um, I am Jim, uh, drinking Jim Beam uh, Black Extra Aged. Huh? Yay, the uh, highest rated bourbon in the world, 2016. Um, it's wonderful caramel, a little bit of nuttiness. Uh, very, very mm-hmm. nicely done. Uh, this is the black label. It used to be double aged. Correct. It was actually triple aged. Yep. <laughs> now it's extra aged. Yes. Now, out of all the like whiskeys, talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys did not get enough crap for this. Although I have to say, um, all the um, Jim Beam Black Label is, is kind of like the step above White Label, right? It's uh, it's it's not an expensive whiskey. Um, I am happy to drink any Black Label Jim Beam product. Uh, but I did, I did love the I did love the uh, story from going. Hey, it's Jim Beam, double aged, eight year old. Triple aged, six year old, 
extra aged. <laughs> Matt, can you tell us how the math worked out on that one? Looking back, <laughs> looking back, that does sound a little misleading. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so the minimum age that we age at Jim Beam is four years, and and that is is true of some other distilleries as well. Um, we do have you know the Jacobs Ghost in the U.S., but you know technically that's uh, not a whiskey in Canada anyway, um, because that's only got about a year maturation plus some filtration that goes on with that one. Hmm. But our Jim Beam White Label is that Kentucky Straight Bourbon whiskey that, of course, means if there's no age statement attached to straight bourbon whiskey that automatically means by law it's a minimum four years old so that is the minimum that goes into our jim beam white label the jim beam black label in essence when it first came out in the late 70s i believe early 80s was a double aged product so that would be eight years it was a jim beam black label that was aged for eight years so that's where double age came from double from the minimum white label four and then uh, I believe in the late 90s, I might be a little off on this because I wasn't uh, with the company at this point, but late 90s and then into the 2000s. No, you know, I still have a few of Double Age that I purchased in the U.S. and I found them. So it might have been more in the last, um, uh, you know, 15, 20 years that uh, um, they went to the Triple Aged. And that is Triple Aged from the minimum of um, two years to be called a straight whiskey because two years – Without an, or with an age statement, you it, basically straight whiskey is minimum two years. You have to put an age statement on it up to four, and then after four, you don't have to put an age statement. So the triple aged six was triple the minimum standard to be a straight whiskey of two. So that's how the double turned to triple. Um, which, yes, <laughs> does sound a little misleading there. So that was a that minimum so six years in the barrel. I mean, you know, praise the marketers for <laughs> right. on that, but at the end of the day... It's still know, a $20 bourbon. You're not, you're not uh, you know... In the U.S. It was, yeah, in the U.S. Uh, yeah, yeah, 30 and yes. change in Canada, which, yeah. you know, still. we'll talk about that all Amazing. day, too. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> But then uh, the decision was made um, the, in the last year to do an extra aged, which um, is, again, going back to exactly what Chuck Cowdery said about the, the Knob Creek nine year. In fact, he did reference the black label in that article, too, I believe, is that it's about a flavor profile. So, yes, there is whiskey younger than six years, but we're looking at a range of five to eight year old liquid to come together to get a, a, a flavor profile specific flavor profile that is quintessentially the jim bean black label that uh, we've known to come and love over the last uh, 30 almost 40 years um jim bean black is a deeper richer you know toffee caramel flavor profile than the the our base jim beam i do love our base jim beam for the it's got a little bit of grainy notes to it you still get the oak you still get the vanilla caramel sweetness uh there's a lot of merit to that whiskey. I do use it in a lot of cocktails and sipping it on the rocks in the summertime. But the black label is a deeper, richer mouthfeel and uh, a more premium whiskey. Um, however, it does not break the bank. I mean, specifically talking about Canadian prices, the market which I'm in the most, uh, we're still looking at 30 to $32 across yeah. the country for Jim Beam Extra Age Black Label. And that actually makes it the best value in Canada period for uh, considering we know the age range of uh, the whiskey that's in there. Now I won't uh, you know mention the, the competitors in the same area that are charging boutique prices that are north of $40 for a whiskey that's only four years old that they perhaps <clears throat> didn't make themselves. They might have bought it from us or someone else but uh, it's a little bit more expensive. So um, again to be able to like how I managed that one, eh? Loved it. <laughs> to Loved be it. able <laughs> to be able to offer a uh, th th this flavor profile 
at this cost is amazing. On top of which, that the International Wine and Spirits Competition in the UK, arguably the most prestigious uh, you know spirits competition in the world, did rate this the highest uh, rated bourbon of 2016. It gave it the top trophy. And of course, as we know, there's over 400 judges that evaluate spirits seven months of the year as part of this. Um, you know, not one guy that writes a Bible. It's 400 judges. And it's um, a lot of input goes into that. And the overwhelming majority of those judges chose in blind taste testing. Um, of course, they're not influenced by the label. They chose uh, the Jimmy yeah. Black. So, as you can hear, I am quite proud of this accolade. <laughs> I feel that uh, Jimmy Black uh, has been a little underrated over the years, especially with my tenure with Beam, and it's finally getting uh, its just um, attention for such a, a great liquid. And again, looking at the the quality to, to price point is pretty amazing. Yeah, I um, I will say the um, there. You know, like you said, normally they say, well, you know, this has like four years plus but this is literally five to eight years you're not you're not uh you're just combining blending different types of or marrying different types of uh barrels of whiskey to get that flavor profile and it is a very more modern take on bourbon as far as kind of gives you a little bit of oakiness but the booziness still comes through there's that that oak spice and and this sweetness is a little more more complicated so it is a it is a a lovely lovely whiskey Uh, i love making fun of it i also feel very bad for um you you left some uh you left some eight-year-old uh black label in my house and i didn't realize how rare it was or what have you and I made I used almost all of it for a delicious delicious ribs that I do once a year for the Super Bowl party you cooked with it which literally I take but it was such a because it was so oaky it was like an 8 year old bourbon and it was just oak oak but it wasn't over oak it was just like a lot of oak and flavor and, and sweetness I'm like it, they made the best ribs. I have this recipe that's like a, basically an eight-hour. I'm, I'm, I cook mm-hmm. ribs for eight hours, um, uh, and like the sauce and everything else about an eight-hour process. And I was just like, "Oh, this makes the best ribs," and I've done them twice with <laughs> Jim Beam Black. I think Matt and I are waiting for our invitation for this rib night. You like, were there. What? You this was my Super Bowl party last year. <laughs> was I? Super Bowl party? That yes. doesn't sound familiar to me. Uh, I remember the invite. Unfortunately, I couldn't come. Oh. Yeah, no, you, I think you, you were sure there. You sure I was there? Really? Well, you, may, you may have not showed up, but you were definitely invited. Oh, okay. There, the football game was in the background. A lot of people weren't watching the football game since... Wait, a, was a it the of, one where Beyonce was on? Yes. Oh, okay. I think yeah. I was there, actually. Yeah, yes. yeah. I was going to say, my, my, a lot of my brain. friends don't watch a lot of football. <laughs> yeah. So I usually just end up watching the football game and people are over and everybody else is just kind of doing their own thing and I'm in front of the TV. Got it's it. usually how it works. Um, all right, Jamie, what are you drinking? Uh, Bookers. <laughs> Bookers. <laughs> oh, Excellent. heck yes, you are. <laughs> of course I am. Absolutely. I got Bookers. It was another fight to get into the bottle. I don't know what's going on, but I had to, I it, guess. Okay, so it's not, not just me, right? <laughs> oh, I'm just remembering all the conversations and yeah. the texts and the phone calls <laughs> and the podcasts. And the podcast. Jamie trying to get into <laughs> the still, Bookers. I, I think the wax is just too high, so like I can't seem to like... Anyways, I managed to get into the bottle, and it's fine, and I'm enjoying this very much, and it's oaky and perfect, and, and uh, tan it. Mar- Are you still laughing at me, Mark? Yeah, I'm still laughing. <laughs> Uh, I, just, I just remember you trying to open the bottle live uh, on the radio, yes. on yeah. the recording the podcast, and me going afterwards, oh, Matt's going to love this section. And you're like cursing and swearing. Swearing. Yeah. I, I had to pull over because I was driving down the 401 listening to podcasts. I had to pull over and text you guys immediately <laughs> when I heard it. It was really um, tricky. It's that you know, on, on that topic, um, where, the, where the tear tab is, if you just dig your nail in just a little bit to get as enough leverage as you can, 
Um, is it getting the wax off or getting the cork out or is it both? It's getting the, well, yeah, because I think the wax is just too high. And so it's it's almost just like I can't get lever- like to turn the cork and pull it out. Like it's the grip. It's, it, yeah, yeah, so I gotta, I gotta get a knife and like I gotta like get the cork out a little bit and then I can pull it off, no problem. I, I, ha- I have a system now, I know how to do it, but it's just okay. like every time it's just like, oh yeah, this old, this old chestnut. <laughs> Here we go again, but you gotta, you gotta get into it because you know what, you, get into it. <laughs> you know what the reward it. is, right? That's right. That's and and right. what batch do you have? Is it the the 2016 batch? I think so. For Canada, I yep. think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm enjoying it. Fortunately, with bookers in Canada, we don't get the roundtable selections. Yeah. Um, you know, the Annis's answer and the the big man small batch, the oven buster batches. Um, they some of them did make it to Canada, but um, what we do get is a uh, a dump of bookers. I say dump, but of course that's not a very appealing word. But that's the, <laughs> the, the vatting of bookers that was selected as very high quality. Um, but it wasn't just by the roundtable. So it's where, where this one the, that's. Uh, uh, When's the uh, podcasting roundtable uh, bookers coming right? out? Uh, <laughs> well, we got to get Fred No on the line and <laughs> right. have to plan that. It'll, we'll uh, it'll, down to... <laughs> Go ahead. No, I was going to say, it needs a fancy name, but uh, yeah, the podcasters uh, batch. Well, I think what we should do is uh, time this around Bourbon Festival again. Uh-huh. See if we can go to Fred's Man Cave at, uh, at of course, his residence right down there on uh, Bourbon Row in Bardstown. And maybe get uh, some podcasters together and see if we can influence a batch. Because every time I go to Fred's office, it's just covered with on his desk with samples of Knob Creek, Knob oh, Creek yeah. Single Barrel, and Booker's. And, of course, Fred is very uh, active in participating, and not just participating, but leading that uh, that panel. And, of course, his son, Freddie Jr., is uh, is part of it as well. And Mark Gillespie, Chuck Cowdery, quite a few um, spirits um, writers and media as well that uh, have very trusted palates or they do influence these batches too. So it would be interesting to get maybe a Canadian take on <laughs> <laughs> But, I think uh, so. I think that's that's. Yeah, yeah I gotta say, this current on. batch that you're sampling is one of the the I guess smokiest that's uh, made oh, to yeah. Canada, and a lot more lot more influence in the wood. I believe it's 163. Um, percent mm-hmm. I think it's just under seven years. This batch. Yeah. But it's uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It. It's dry. That finish is very yes. dry. Yeah. And I mean, it, it also I would. F- it's also in that category of like not appreciated enough bourbon because it is as far as kind of high proof oak balanced monsters this is it like bookers is such a great product in that category and it is relatively available it's not something that you really have to go out now the rare releases the the those the the batches that you release uh, specifically those those are hard to get those can be expensive those can uh, go up in price a great deal um but kind of the regular bookers batch releases are pretty available wonderfully priced and uh and freaking delicious mm-hmm. they're beautiful i yeah. mean all bookers is great bookers at the end of the day yeah <laughs> for yeah. sure yeah uh and, and it's it's also that area where you're going to get a whole range of, of flavor and uh different batches will taste differently uh, we we always um you know whenever they come out here at the lcbo we we just grab a bunch and uh mm-hmm. and that has to save that has to uh last for the year because we're not likely to see it again until the following year that's right but in the u.s you're fine you're good you can just go out and get yep. bookers and just yeah. just 
as long as you like high proof whiskey because it is over 60 percent yeah i think i've told the story uh on oh on this podcast before many many moons ago where i did a tasting for a bunch of first timers i didn't realize so many people it was their first time and the lineup was knob creek bakers bookers and i was like oh my god people are like crying like their eyes are watering they're like coughing their noses are running and i was like this was not a good idea <laughs> not your best planning moment here everyone's like oh this is lovely <clears throat> And I was like, oh, how many first-time whiskey drinkers are here? And, like, literally 75% of the hands went up. And I was like, all right, that was not great. Poorly planned on my part. But, uh, I mean, I loved it. (laughs) For me, there's always that one token person that's usually male that runs before they can walk at a... Uh, tasting, where as I'm guiding people through, I'm introducing them to it, I'm kind of um, setting the stage for acclimating your palate, what's going to happen next. You just, you find that person, they just look at you like, I know what I'm doing, and yeah. knock it right back, and I just go, oh. three, two, two, <laughs> one, and the face starts to go red, they're yeah. struggling for their breath, and they're yeah. breathing in the alcohol, as they're, yeah. and it's like, well, you know, I kind of told you about the Kentucky Chew. <laughs> yeah. But now you know. Yep. Now you know. Now you know. <laughs> you only do that once. Now, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just like shoving your nose like right into the glass and like taking a big whiff and realizing that oh this is a hundred and you know whatever <laughs> proof and and uh, you just uh, got half that burn right up in your brain. Yep. Yeah. Everybody's got to do that once too. <laughs> it's a rite of passage. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, actually, I say you do it once, but like I've actually shoved my nose into many whiskeys that were way. <laughs> way way too high proof to do that too and every time i'm like jamie come on you know better than that you tell people not to do that like what's wrong with you so anyway anything else on your side matt yeah well looking forward to these shows coming up it's actually my last big um travel part for the year before i i I slow down a little bit spend some more time with the family so we're looking forward to it because fredericton is one of the premier shows, um, one of, I'd say, at least top two premier shows in Canada. It's been running for over 20 years, and it's more of a spirits festival now than just specifically whiskey. But uh, the show pairs up beautifully with the ANBL, the um, New Brunswick Liquor Board there, and they put on a fantastic show. And then I will be doing the PEI Whiskey Festival or Whiskey Show uh, the next day, the following Saturday uh, in PEI, and that's the first time I've been out for a whiskey show specifically for PI, so it'll be interesting to see okay. um, the culture there with uh, with whiskey as we've watched the Newfoundland show grow. I've been doing that show for five years now as we've watched that grow and a lot more interest. There was, uh, you know, between six, seven hundred people there the last two years, nice. and uh, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what kind of numbers will be at PI this year compared to next year, and we're also doing a spirited dinner there as well, so, um, oh. you know, the Atlantic's Maritimes being traditionally rum culture, but celtic culture <laughs> we're seeing a lot more whiskey and you know halifax being a very mature whiskey market as well we've got the show there coming up in march so we pretty much reset over the holidays and then of course it's off to the victoria whiskey fest in january which is oh, one of my favorite shows as well nice. especially being in victoria in january it's amazing right. yes yeah. a little reprieve from the uh the howling cold snow winds of ontario and we yeah. usually do Edmonton and Calgary the, the the preceding nights before, so it's usually pretty cold in Edmonton, Ooh, moderate in Calgary, yeah. and, and then, then t-shirt weather. Nice. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And, well, uh, yeah. 
and you can follow Matt's adventures on Instagram and Twitter at whiskey underscore chef whiskey without an e whiskey underscore chef uh, one of the, the the better brand ambassador Instagram accounts uh, yeah. you're you He's awesome on it. photos yeah you're on it yeah. you're, every day there's uh, photos of uh, Matt Jones's life throughout the week um, and are you doing any events in Windsor Ontario during December or are you just done you're done 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 no, we actually, I'll uh, be in the local market here doing a few spirited dinners, one at the uh, the local yacht club, which has turned into kind of an annual thing, mm-hmm. and doing some guest bartending shifts. And then uh, one of my favorite things to do for the holidays is value add. I actually get out there with the sales team and get right down on my knees on the, on the floor at retail and put all the little mini bottles in the different um, uh, marketing mm-hmm. um uh, tags and, and and little bonuses. I'm not sure what we have this year, but in the past it's been everything from little flasks to shot glasses, different things. So it's a great way to get out there at retail and, and meet the store managers and the, the LCB LCBO employees and, and work with the uh, the sales staff and really, you know, a way to thank them for all their hard work throughout the year as well by us getting down there and, and putting in some hard labor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, um, I can't say the rest of my job is that hard. So. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and also on uh, November 30th, Super Local, uh, you've got a contest, a, no- a Knob Creek bartending competition. Uh, Mark and I will probably be there, I think. Yeah, right, yeah we're there. We're we've got an, we've yeah. got an event earlier, oh, and then we're going to go yeah, after. Because I think it's raising McCallan that night. Too, it's exactly so. the same night. Yeah. Yes. Right, right. So, uh, so we'll be uh, we'll be probably pretty in a great mood by the time we get to Rush Lane. To You'll see have you a guys. nice glow. Yes. <laughs> no, well. Thanks for bringing that up. I actually, that's a, a pretty big event. That's uh, mm-hmm. working on uh, uh, the details for. Um, we've got six bartenders coming from across the country, Vancouver, right to St. John's. That uh, we're all part of a, a Knob Creek incentive, and they will be doing a cocktail presentation for three industry judges. Uh, one of them actually a chef, and they are competing for an all expense paid trip to the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, sponsored by Jim Beam and Knob Creek next year. So um, we're billing it as a, as an industry night for sure. We're getting a lot of uh, interest from the local bartenders that want to come out and uh, sample the drinks, as well as cheer on these bartenders that sure. many of them might not have had a voice if it wasn't for this competition. So it was really cool to have that aspect. And then after the competition, we're doing a very exclusive sampling of the Jim Beam Double Oaked and Bonded before it actually hits retail. So that'll be something to be a part of as well. There'll be Matt Morgan will be playing. You guys know Maddie from uh, some of my events. Maddie Moe. Who's Maddie (laughs) Moe? And um, some uh, complimentary food and cocktail samples as well. So, yeah, it's going to be a great night. It's going to be great. Sounds awesome. Well, you sound wonderfully busy and uh, and happy. And congratulations again on your wonderful accolades. Well deserved. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thanks again for coming on. Uh, it's been too long. I know we've been trying to do this for a while, so I'm just I'm just happy that we could get these stars in alignment and we could all That's great. We did it. <laughs> we did together. it. Yes. <laughs> Next time, hopefully in person, though. Yeah. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. That's right. For sure. All right, guys. Well, Mark, where can we find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at m a r k b y l o k. And I'm at Bourbon Thing. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Cheers. I'll talk Cheers. to you next week. Cheers. <laughs>